Fred Monday and Burns and Gambo on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Murray back to pass. Pumps left, being chased. Hit at the 30. Gets rid of the ball as he's about to be sacked. Incomplete, but they're going to call him for grounding, maybe. There was no foul in the play for intentional grounding. The quarterback's knee was down. Oh, his knee was second down. down. Aaron Donald sacked the 100th of his career as Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals lose yesterday to the Rams 20-12 to in what we have talked about for almost all afternoon long. Very winnable game. Extremely winnable game for the Arizona Cardinals yesterday. They're Defense held the Rams to 20 points. You would think that would have been enough, but the Cardinals' offense right now is just broken, plain and simple broken. And whether it's DeAndre Hopkins in his absence continuing to kind of cast a shadow over all of it, or whether it's Kyler Murray and his ability to run yesterday, his inability to run yesterday, this Cardinals' offense right now taking a very manageable point total by the Rams, but just completely broken offensively and we have to start with uh, there's a lot of things we could start with but I really want to focus on Kyler's inability to run because that does seem like something that when he does and when he does it well it's the secret ingredient it's the thing that teams just can't contend with it makes the Cardinals very difficult on offense and yet the Rams seem to bottle him up better than anybody else in the okay league. listen you had the we're, we're into we're nine months almost ten months into this season this year you had the stat of the year earlier, so I'm just going to let you. This is incredible. I mean, you would think, can the Cardinals win a game in which Kyler Murray stays in the pocket the majority of the game? And you think, yeah, you could win those games. But the answer is no, that they haven't. I ran a search on Kyler Murray's um, stat page on ProFootballReference.com, and I sorted it by rushing attempts. Okay, so like the most rushing attempts he's ever had in a game is 14. The fewest he's ever had in a game is Two, at least in the game that he was active for. All right. The Arizona Cardinals, based off what I'm looking at right now, have not won a game with Kyler Murray as their quarterback when he has four rushing attempts or fewer. It's crazy. They haven't won one single game where it's four rushing attempts or fewer. They tied a game, his debut uh, against the Lions, that tie, 27-27. Remember, week one of year one for Kyler? Every other game in which he's ran the ball four times or fewer, they've lost. And, and what caught my attention at first was that the, the four games in which he's attempted two rushing attempts or fewer— Three have been against the Rams. All right. I saw that. I'm like, okay, that backs up the argument that the Rams are really a special, super good at limiting his rushing attempts, right? They rushed four, sometimes five, but a lot of times four, seven in coverage or six in coverage, but they didn't let him get outside. They really took that away. And then you get that, you know, it's hard to step up in the pocket because you, you don't want to deal with Aaron Donald. So, but yeah, no, it was incredible. Like, you know, he didn't have his first rushing attempt in the football game yesterday until there were about Four minutes left in the game. And then he had his first rushing attempt. And like, that's the first time he's run the football. That's it. Like, they totally took that away. And and listen, they they shouldn't have to need Kyler Murray to run to win football games. And the fact that they haven't is incredible. Like, I mean, you went out and traded for Hollywood Brown. You re-signed Zach Ertz. You've got James Conner. Like, your offensive line, you got back to being healthy with Justin return. Like, you should be able to to win with him staying in the pocket, and 
They haven't. They haven't won games that way. No, and maybe they can win more games when they have DeAndre Hopkins back. But again, this is what this is Cliff Kingsbury's calling card. He's the offensive guru. He's he's the the I, I hate to use the word genius because I don't know if he's proven himself to be a genius at this level. But that's that's his reputation is that offensively he's he can scheme them with the best of them. Well, so far you take DeAndre Hopkins out of the equation and then you bottle up Kyler Murray in his ability to run. I get it. The Cardinals are a little shorthanded at the wide receiver position, but that was almost unbearable to watch yesterday. Them struggle on offense because they just didn't know what to do. So I do this search and I'm really looking more for games against the Rams, you know, to see how many games he's had against them where where they've limited his rushing attempts. And I just kind of stumble on this that they are 0-10-1 as a team in games where Kyler Murray plays and he has four rushing attempts That's or fewer. It's unbelievable. I was like, I, I, I had no idea. I, <laughs> I, I, maybe somebody else out there knew that. Maybe this is a commonly known stat, and I, and I, I haven't seen it before. But, but that blows my mind. And it, it once again, does emphasizes. it blow your mind? Because yesterday we were talking about how that's the secret sauce. Kyler runs. They're, they're dynamic. They can win. I mean, we did. We talked about that last week. We you did. brought that we up did. as one of your main points was yes. if Kyler runs. They're an incredible offense. They almost can't. Look what they did to the Raiders in the second half of that game. I would have thought there would have been a, one win in there. A couple, at least you know, a couple. I would, I would have thought there would have been a, a, a game in his career where he ran fewer than five times eight. where they won. You three know? and eight in 11 games. Four and seven. Three and eight. But yeah. oh, no wins? But oh, 10 and one? No wins? With four rushing attempts or fewer? Uh, yeah. I, that, that's the part that shocks me. It's not, it's not that it's skewed in favor of them not winning, but that there are no wins at all. None. They haven't won a game no. like that, you know? Listen, and, how much of that is on Kyler? How much of this is on Cliff? It's probably equal blame. I mean, Kyler, Kyler did get upset with his receivers. I think he was mainly upset with Andy Isabella yeah. for not finding the ball on that one play. But I mean, Cliff, listen, this goes back to last year. This tra- this is go. This goes back to last year. Not being able to win home games, not being able to figure out the DeAndre Hopkins issue. I think. Listen, I think the Hopkins thing. I think it all relates, right? The Hopkins thing. It's it's almost like the what's the Kevin Bacon thing. Six degrees. Six of se- degrees of separation. Six with degrees Kevin Bacon, of separation right. for DeAndre Hopkins. Without DeAndre Hopkins, you can't win at home. Your offense can't move the football. You can't score in the first quarter. I mean, I think a lot of, I think it is. I think it's, it goes back to DeAndre Hopkins. Not having him has killed this team. Why they can't figure out how to play without him is beyond me. That's what Cliff gets paid for. Yeah. Cliff's getting paid millions and millions of dollars to come up with an offense that should be able to flourish without DeAndre Hopkins. You mentioned what he had to say about his wide receivers. The play with Isabella, he threw it to the, Kyler threw it to the end zone. Isabella stopped. Just stopped running his route. I think that's who Kyler is talking about when he talks post-game about telling guys Absolutely. that they have to be awake when they're playing with him. I tell guys all the time, always be like, never, you know, never, you gotta be awake playing with me. Like, I, I mean, it's, um, no matter what the play is, uh, you know, I, I got free reign to do whatever, get into whatever. Um, so it, when you sleep and um, you don't think you're getting the ball, it's, you know, it's, we can't play like that. We, we everybody's gotta, you know, everybody's gotta be lit up, you know, in the game, uh, locked in, and we just gotta be better, and we will be, but, Again, it's frustrating when you lose. We feel like you could, you know, could have played better, could be in the game. 
And there were drops galore yesterday, too. Five in the first half. Yeah, no Zach- team had five in a game this year. The Cardinals had five in the first half. Connor, Zach Ertz, A.J. Green, um, Eno Benjamin had one. Uh, and, and, of course, there were a couple throws from Kyler that weren't good either. The deep post by Hollywood Brown, he overshot him. There was a third down where he overthrew Hollywood Brown. He threw it five feet over his head. It's not like Kyler was perfect yesterday. Um, but Kyler, you know, dealing with the drops and dealing. And I think we have to give some credit to the Rams defense here too. There's obviously, based off of these stats that I'm looking at, the Rams are responsible for some of the fewest rushing attempt games in Kyler Murray's history. They clearly have the personnel and the scheme that is kind of designed to bother him a little bit and to keep him from running and to keep him in the pocket. And and with that that and the drops combined and, and then right the Rams team that was missing like how many guys were they missing from their defense they were missing their cornerback mm-hmm. two three four and their third best safety right we're all out of yesterday's game and, and, and you couldn't take advantage of that and you couldn't take advantage you of were that. missing the two three four cornerbacks on the roster yep and one of their top three safeties starting a rookie at the opposite cornerback and you throw the ball on third and two to get with AJ Green guarded by Jalen Ramsey on the first possession and now why you're gonna have to deal with and I don't even know if I don't even know how big of a loss this is AJ Green he's probably gonna be out a while with a bone bruise in his yeah, knee it might, it, might, it might be a blessing it might I mean it, seriously the way he's know, played you might not be wrong like I, I think we're all done with AJ Green I think put him on IR for the for the I think we're done with AJ he Green. looks Cooked out there. Cooked. Yeah. I'm watching him play. You are too. The fans are. He looks like he's cooked out I'm there. I'm amazed, amazed that he made that catch last week on the two-point conversion. Because up until that, he had made like four bad plays. The and he is, was, listen, he was good for them last year. Like, he was good for them last year. Yeah. That's not. But this year, I mean, it's just not going to work. Like, bringing him back probably was a mistake. The trouble is without him, they're so small. They're so small at the wide receiver position. 5'10 is their tallest guy. At wide receiver, if they don't have AJ Green out there, they're they're cut, cut AJ Green and go sign Aldo Beckham Jr. How, he's got to be close. <laughs> they're saving a spot for him in L.A. All right, so sign him before a, they, they do. They've got a locker for him, just waiting for him. Apparently, when we come back here on Burns and Gambo, Suns Media Day today, and it was the first opportunity to hear from Suns players, coaches, management about the absence of Robert Sarver. How did everybody react to his decision to sell? You'll hear a wide variety of opinions on that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. As you would expect, there were plenty of questions about Robert Sarver and his decision to sell the team at Suns Media Day. The first opportunity for reporters who cover the team to talk to James Jones, Monty Williams, Devin Booker, Chris Paul on their reaction to Robert. And and look, the, the one thing we've said a few times since Robert announced his decision to sell, it's very obvious from the conclusion of the investigation he treated, Robert treated, a lot of people in his organization very, very poorly and very inappropriately. The one thing we can say about today is that by announcing to sell when he did, he really spared the players from having sure. to address some very pointed questions about it. You know? Yeah, that could have been 
that could have been really tough. You know, there are there are many players in that organization that are close with Robert, including Devin Booker. Yep. Um, you know, so you know, I think a lot of people are waiting to hear from Larry Fitzgerald. Is Fitz going to say anything? I mean, th- think about how close of a relationship Fitz and Robert have. Robert brought him into the Phoenix Suns organization. Larry had to write a check to become part of that. You know, so I think, but but a lot of those guys. Knew Robert, liked him, respected him, worked closely with him. I know Book, you know, he had helped Book with some, you know, when he bought his first house. I think he had helped Book with something with investments and stuff, too. Like, I I think there was a good relationship there, and I expected that that was going to be very difficult for Devin Booker today. Yeah, it was. I'll start with him, since you did. Um, Devin Booker said, that's not the Robert Sarver I know, but that doesn't mean that my perspective is the only one that matters here. It's tough. You know, it's tough for me because... You know, that's not the the Robert Sarver that I know. Um, It's not the Robert Sarver that welcomed me to Phoenix with open arms. Um, But at the same time, I'm not, you know, insensitive to everybody that's involved in this situation. You know, and I understand everybody's personal experience with other people are are always going to be different. Um, But it's tough to read because that's not the person I know. He was the one, honestly, I was the most curious about. Because I I've kind of felt like of all, between Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Monty, and James, that he was probably the one who was the closest to him, you know? By far. Like he, by far. So I want, I want, I wanted to hear from him. You know, you agree that by far totally. he was, yeah, totally. I, I was not expecting Devin to take a blowtorch to Robert either because of the, there is a friendship. There is a close relationship there. You know, book going to his house to shoot. And I think even during the pandemic and stuff like that, like they were close. And Robert, we talked about Robert Sarver owning a soccer team with Steve Nash, right? Steve was one of his players. They became close. They were on a soccer team together. Um, and now book, I do think that he was very, you know, influential in helping Booker in business dealings and houses and stuff like that too. Because, you know, book came here as a teenager when he got drafted by the Suns. Yeah. James Jones talked about how he agreed with Robert's decision to sell the team. I think I'm in agreement um, with selling a team. I think that's the best outcome for everyone involved. Uh, The players, the fans, the staffers, uh, everyone that was impacted on so many levels. Um, It it brings some closure uh, to a long period of discomfort and uneasiness, but it also gives us a pivot point to continue to focus on um, raising the standards of our organization and uh, leading by example. You said it so well earlier. Very few people in this world I would want sitting up at that podium representing an organization during a time like this other than James Jones or Monty yes. Williams for that matter. Yeah. Just always knows what to say. And, and and James, for what it's worth, a year ago was quoted in a statement sent out by the Suns in support of Robert Sarver in which he said, that's not the, that's not the Robert Sarver I know. He responded to people affected by Robert in his actions today. I empathize. I sympathize thighs and and I I feel for them Um, you know when I made my statements last year I stand by that that, that's my experience and and I didn't and I still to this day I can't speak for for others in their experience Uh, but now that we know um, like I said those those things aren't acceptable they're not cool Um, and I think those that have been impacted deserve our respect and our support and and I'm here for that Um, but I won't discount um, what I said because it, it was my experience. 
it's you're in a tough spot if you're James Jones. You're in a tough spot if you're anybody that's asked about Robert Sarber, and you know him because you could say, listen, through my experiences, I've never heard him talk like that. I've never seen him act like that. Listen, I've had I'm not as close with them as you know James, James or Devin I, or somebody like yeah, that. I, I I think I know Robert well. I've been around him enough. I've been you know I've never seen that behavior, but that again, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I think James said it exactly. Like I think James is in a tough spot. Like you've you've been with him for all these years, five, six years you've been with him. You never seen any action like that. You never heard anything like that. And all of a sudden this report comes out and he felt probably felt the need to say, look, I've never you know, I know I've known the man for a long time. I work with him every single day. I've never seen that type of behavior. So James said that. And again, he's not taking it back. James is not taking that back. No, he's just saying, you know, OK, it's you know, if this is true, this report came out then it's the right thing to do for him to sell the team. And he did fundamentally agree with the decision to sell the team. Yes. Here's Monty and how he dealt with the news. There was a bit of shock. There was a moment where I was in disbelief when you see uh, the bullet points and then when you go through it, you start to think about how these things impacted people. How is it going to impact our team, the organization, uh, the community? And and then James and myself and Morgan had a, a ton of conversations about, you know, how do we handle this, deal with this in a way that's productive, but also sympathetic towards those who have been affected by all of this. And I don't know why he would have, but apparently Monty was asked the question today if he ever considered leaving the organization because of the Sarver report. And he said he no. did not. He never no. considered leaving. No, Monty's the leader. I mean, and you're not going to walk out on a situation like that because of, of Robert. You let the situation take care of itself. There was a suspension. It was going to last a year. You weren't going to have to deal uh, with the owner at any point. But then in the end, the owner decided that was best for everybody involved if I just sell the team. And that's going to happen. And it all takes time. But it was, you know, you're not going to want Monty and James to leave. I mean, they, they're the stability that the organization has. Those two guys are the rock that everybody needs to lean on so that they can get past this and move on. Chris Paul, on the other hand, had sent out the tweet almost immediately, not immediately, but within a day or two after the results of the investigation were announced, revealed today that he, C.J. McCollum, Kyle Lowry, Steph Curry has also said that they had conversations with Adam Silver, and and Chris Paul talked about that a little bit today. Yeah, uh, I talked to Adam uh, regularly, you know what I mean? Um, also, uh, Kyle Lowry, C.J. McCollum, um, and, and different guys. But uh, for the most part, you know, guys sort of give their feelings, say say how they feel, and you you sort of try to you know move on move on with that. And that's what they're trying to move on from right now. And Chris Paul and his words, LeBron and his words, NBA Players Association director, et cetera, et cetera. Now, look, does does this impact their ability to play basketball moving forward? And I know that's not necessarily the most important question here because there are people who have lost their jobs and who have had to find new jobs and don't want to work there, and they're, they're legitimately and rightfully hurt by this. So I, I don't want to make it about basketball and say that's the only thing that matters here. But one of the questions that do splint, that does splinter off of this, do you have any reason to believe that the sale of the team or any lingering feelings about Robert separating from the team can affect how they play basketball this season? Does it have any impact? I'm, I'm going to say no, 
but I've been wrong on this stuff before. Yeah. ASU specifically, I did not think that the investigation was going to hurt ASU last year, uh, but it did, right? I mean, I think even the players kind of admitted it. Uh, if the Suns have a bad season afterwards, they may say, well, you know, it's a tough year. There was a lot weighing on our mind, the sale of the team, the owner. And, uh, you know, may, I, I still think that the foundation with James and Monty is as strong as it's ever been. Yeah. And that they can overcome that and that w- it won't be that much of a distraction. I I, I agree. I, I don't think that it by itself would be much of a distraction. We're going to continue to talk about this a lot leading up to the season. I think that the Sarver situation in combination with the Eaton situation, in combination with Jay, in combination with KD, everything that kind of was the Suns offseason, I think you add that all up, and that could be a distraction that keeps the Suns from being as good as they could be. Or or a reason why that this offseason, look, it's... It's been awful. It, it has not been a good off season for the Phoenix Suns. The, I, I don't, can't think of any other way to describe it. Yeah, I, this is not how they drew it up. I'm sure coming off of the loss to the Dallas Mavericks. Could it have been worse if they had just let DeAndre work for nothing? Yeah, then it would have, it been, could worse. have been worse. Unless he really doesn't want to be here. And now you've got a guy in your locker room that doesn't want to be here. But yeah, it could have been if they just let him walk for nothing. When we come back, the Cardinals defense was not the issue yesterday, but that doesn't mean they were perfect, and that doesn't mean that we're not looking at Isaiah Simmons' snap counts again. It's coming up on Burns and Gambo. Here we go! Quick! Big Red Monday and Burns and Gambo on Arizona Sports. Let's go! Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Stafford takes the snap, hands for Akers up the middle, and Akers bumbled the ball, and it's recovered by the Cardinals at the two-yard line. They still have life. Not going to sit here and say it was perfect. There were still plenty of questions defensively, speaking specifically about the defense yesterday and the Cardinals' loss. Not going to say it was perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but... You hold the Rams to 20 points. You make plays and stops at the goal line. You hold them to 20-something yard field goals. The defense did their work yesterday and certainly gave the Cardinals a chance to win a very winnable game. I thought the defense, individually, there were question marks and there were things that we could talk about, the lack of pack pass breakups and pressure on the quarterback. You hold the Rams to 20 points, you're doing something right. Sure, sure. No, I thought the defense overall was pretty good. I mean, you had to sack by J.J. Watt. You had to almost near sack by Zabin Collins, but they didn't get any interceptions of Matthew Stafford. They did force a fumble. They've been pretty good this year at forcing fumbles. That was a great play by Buda Baker to knock that ball loose, that goal line stand right there. Terrific play. But Matthew Stafford came in with five picks. He leaves with five picks. He didn't throw one. The Cardinals didn't get one. They're not getting... Their ball on any hands in the air. There is no pass rush. I mean, there's there's just no pass rush at all. So the fact that they're doing this, that they held the Rams to 20 points with no real pass rush, no interceptions, they did a good job. How did they do it? They completely shut down Cooper Cup. Completely. One of the most dynamic receivers in the National Football League was held completely in check. Four catches for 44 yards. Now, he did have the... 
that that was a running play that was for the touchdown. It was a it was a the jet sweep. It, it put to him the in left, motion yeah. on the sweep. He took the handoff and he went twenty yards for a touchdown. That's a handoff. That's a running play. That's not a reception. So he impacted the game there. But Murphy shut him down. I mean, Murphy. That's two weeks in a row. Murphy's done a good job. He yes, shut he down has. Devontae Adams. He shut down Cooper Cup. I mean, he's proven that he is number one cornerback worthy. Um, so we had major concerns about the cornerbacks. And, and I mean, who would have, if I would have told you two weeks in a row, they completely shut down Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup, you would have said, who did they go get? Like, who did they go get? I didn't they think they had anybody the on the roster capable of doing that. No. 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 So, so give the cornerbacks credit. Give Vance credit. They're doing it again without a pass rush and without the ability to intercept any passes. I think that's pretty interesting. They now, Rashad Lawrence being out, I think, is going to hurt. If Rashad Lawrence is out for a while because he's a good player in the middle there. For His them. hand is in a cast. Sounds like he's going to be out a few weeks. Yeah. Here was Cliff Kingsbury earlier today when talking about Rashad Lawrence's injury. He is. Yeah. He had surgery. So, um, not sure the exact timetable, but he won't play this week. All right, so there's that. Devon Kennard after the game with Paul Calvisi on the pass rush and how close it is to where they want it to be. I don't think we're far off, but it's hard when you're playing on your heels and they're throwing uh, early in, in that first half. We had a lot of screens, a lot of uh, ball out quick, and then chip, chips and and uh, different things like that. So when you're playing on your heels and you don't feel like you get to get, uh, get the chance to attack fully, you know we, we can't let them get it, put us in that position. Look, so far, J.J. Watt's been really good. He's Impacted both of the games with yeah. a sack, um, but, but yeah, the, but the general overall pass rush wasn't there, and it, and it's the look the lack of a pass rush, the lack of it, it, quarterbacks have had good days against the Cardinals so far this season. I think I saw a stat earlier where the Cardinals are dead last in the NFL in passer rating against. You know, the the quarterback's passer rating yeah. when they play the Cardinals, it's the worst in the NFL for that defense, for the Cardinals defense, when they face off against the quarterback. So, but but still, again, you kind of add it all up, and we can sit here and talk about the lack of a pass rush. We can talk about no passes batted down or defense yesterday. We can talk about quarterbacks having good numbers against the Cardinals. 20 points is 20 points. And this, this whole conversation about this game yesterday, it, 95% of it needs to focus on the offense and how the offense, the Cardinals defense basically held the door open for the Cardinals offense yesterday. Here you go. Go on in. Go on in and win that game. And the Cardinals offense couldn't do it. But they also got in a hole again. Now, I don't know if that's more on the defense or the offense. The offense, three and out, three and out, three and out. But, you know, the Rams, the first time the Rams got the ball, right, they scored. Field goal first time, field touchdown goal first second time. Time. So, so you know they're at the thirty now. They're at the the Rams were at the thirty five yard line of the car. They didn't have to go very far, you know, because of the you know the, the block punt gave them good field position. Second time they got the ball when they scored the touchdown, they were at the forty two yard line. So they had two super short fields. That's part of the that's on the offense. Yeah, that's on the inability to move the ball. The Rams didn't have anywhere to go. So. They had a 58 yard drive and they had a you know 35 yard drive. They didn't have any drives. Um, well, it was a field goal, but you know what I'm saying. Like they didn't have to go very far to get those 10 points. Yeah. So I I think that when you look at the offense and you look at the defense, obviously there's there's problems with both. But you can't always put yourself in this hole that they've done and have to play from behind all the time. This team can play this t- I'm telling you this team will be really good when they can get ahead by two scores in play because I think they're very much built that way and but getting behind this is really killing like every single week they've got to 
come from behind and play. It's not the way you want to play. They've got to get better in the first quarter so they don't always fall behind. Now, again, not everything was perfect with the defense. And if there's you know, the conversation point today centers around Isaiah Simmons. 16 snaps yesterday. He had 15 last week against the Raiders. His percentage of snaps went up. He was out there on the field a third of the time yesterday as opposed to 20% of the time the week prior. Cliff Kingsbury on Wolf and Luke today on Isaiah Simmons and his playtime. Yeah, I think he had another really, really good outing, and, and he'll continue to do that. And, and his practice practices have been really good the last two weeks, and I think the game's slowing down for him, and he's flying around and making plays. And, and that's the expectation, and I expect his role to continue to increase as as he continues to, to make those big strides that he's made. But obviously, he hasn't made the strides they want. Otherwise, he'd be getting more playing time. Yes. And obviously, there is some kind of disconnect between the Cardinals' front office and the players they're drafting and the Cardinals' coaches and the players they're playing. They thought Saban Collins would be an impact starter day one, the front office. Yes, they did. And he didn't play last they, year. <laughs> I mean, they practically, I don't want to say they demanded it, but they made it very clear that they thought when they drafted Saban Collins, we just drafted our day one starting yeah. Mike Linebacker and Jordan Hicks is now a backup, or we might not need Jordan Hicks. They made that perfectly clear the day they drafted him. We had Steve Kime on the show on Friday. I got the distinct impression from Steve that we were going to see a lot of snaps out of Isaiah Simmons. A lot yeah. more than 16 in this game. And so I can't help but thinking about, you know, Steve Kime in the front office saying, here are the players to play on defense and a coaching staff that says, I don't know if I can trust those guys on defense. I'd rather play these guys instead. And yeah. that disconnect, it doesn't seem like ben it's Neiman. any better now than it was before. I mean, you're not going anywhere without Ben Neiman being the, the anchor of your defense. I don't know, you know, why this wasn't figured out earlier. <laughs> I mean, he was we, actually, we didn't you know that he football, was the. You see the pro fo- fo- football focus grades on Ben Neiman? He was actually one of the highest graded players. Are you out kidding there. me? No, I'm not kidding you. Are you only saying that because he's from Iowa? No, I'm not saying That's that because saying he's from it. Iowa. You love those Hawkeyes. Uh, you love them. Saying that because he had mm. the third highest grade of any Cardinals defender. There you go. I'm telling you. I, I, for, not for nothing, as my friend Gambo would yeah. say, because I don't often trust these pro football focus grades, but he was the third highest defender yesterday. I mean, this Cardinals. guy's got two career sacks. He's the answer. Ben Neiman's the answer. That's. I mean, he's pl- He's getting reps over. Uh, nothing against Ben Neiman. I mean, congratulations to him for making it in the NFL. It's great. But I mean, Isaiah Simmons, like you're 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 losing snaps to Ben Neiman. He had 15 snaps yesterday. Isaiah had 16. Okay, one Nick. guy was a first round draft pick. The other guy was undrafted. Yeah, come on, like that. It can't be that way. No, it can't. But uh, clearly, sorry, Ben. Isaiah Simmons is doing something in practice, or not doing something in practice, or not doing something as he preps for the game that gives Vance Joseph a reason to play him like this. I and I don't again. I don't know where the disconnect is. Mm-hmm. And Zaven, he was out on the field for a big chunk. He was he had about thirty five snaps. I think it was like seventy percent. But even he, the whiffing on that sack of Matthew Stafford. Sean McVay after the game said that was the play of the game right there. When McVay, when Stafford avoided the sacks on nice third and 11. Stafford too, by the way. If you go back and look at it, it was a nice little spin move by him to get away from him. But if Zavin gets him there? If he gets him there, it's, it's who knows what happens we don't in know. that game. But, this, but either way, there's still a problem with this offense and inability to score touchdowns. Around the NFL, two big events you thought would never happen, happened. A football to the butt and a quarterback running out of the back of the end zone. We had it all last night. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, no Diamondbacks baseball. They are not on tonight. They have the day off. 
They're back in action tomorrow. Meanwhile, we do have Monday Night Football tonight. Gambo's 2-0 New York Giants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you still count them as yours? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, do they? Okay, okay. I'm always I'm a Giant fan a Giant first. Fan? Okay, I'm cool. a Giant fan first. Uh, they're losing 3 nothing to the Dallas Cowboys early going into the start of the second quarter of that game. The Giants looking to join the Philadelphia Eagles and Miami Dolphins as the only 3-0 and teams. That's right. In the NFL. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins I could have seen. The Eagles I would have bought. The Giants, eh, not so much. I'm on that Jacksonville Jaguars bandwagon. Did you see that? I think Ooh. they've got the second best point differential in the NFL so far this year. They've, I mean, it helped that they destroyed the Chargers yesterday. Speaking of which, Chargers. Are Why did they so Why did they down by three touchdowns up. playing Justin Herbert in the fourth quarter? Does the guy want to get him killed? Brandon Staley. Dude, what is he be, thinking? Be the grown-up in the room and sit him. Be the grown-up in the room and He wanted and to stay out him. there with his teammates. Yeah, so what? He's, it's not up to him. It's up to you. Right, so when your kid comes home at midnight and the curfew is 10, he just says, I just wanted to stay out with my friends. Yeah. Okay, no problem. Great. He, why? He just wanted to stay out with his friends. He came home at midnight. Be the grown-up. Be the grown-up. You can do it. It's hard being a grown-up. It is. We have a lot of grown-up things to do and uh, decide. It, it is, but you, you've got to, when it's... I know, you've got to embrace it. it. Like, embrace I'd rather not be the grown-up, but I'm we have charge. to be the grown-up. I'm going to be the parent here and tell you you can't play in that game because you've got cracked ribs and it's probably not a good idea for you to be out there. Yeah. Anyway, that's what's on tonight. And I assume I would have seen it on Twitter. No, Nothing for Aaron Judge tonight, right? He is one for two with a single and a walk and a strikeout. Okay, so we have that to keep an eye on, too. Okay. The Yankees in the blue shade. Right, single okay, season yeah. home run record, right within reach for Aaron Judge. He could, and so close, so close. He's right there. He's right there. absolutely right there. Top Roger Maris is the single season home run leader. I'm sure we'll get into a lot more NFL tomorrow. Um, yes, but yeah. let's real quick yeah. um, talk about this Miami Buffalo game oh from God, yesterday because right? it was just extraordinary. I don't ever do. I don't ever do this, but that game was so good. I actually have my notes on. I took a bunch of notes on. Yes, the you game. did. Look at that. I took all these notes on the game. It was unbelievable. I mean, just. Seeing like just digs on the sideline with the cramps and the heat, and then Allen exhausted after the game. But listen, it was a, it was a fantastic game. Buffalo, the, their kicker actually missed a field goal. He had made fourteen straight. He missed a field goal on the road. Um, that third and twenty two pass from two at a waddle, which set up a Chase Edmonds touchdown, was a thing of beauty. Now they took Tyreek Hill out of the game. He didn't have a very good game, but Waddle played well for them. Um, and I just think that you know the Bills just messed up. I mean, Ken Dorsey lost his mind at the end of the game when they weren't able to get out of bounds. It was um, Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie. McKenzie wasn't able to get out of bounds. Now he could have if he would have went straight to the sidelines, but I think he said I could pick up another four yards. If I kind of cut in and then cut back, but by the time he did that, the clock ran out. If he would, now if he would have just went right to the sidelines, you're setting up a 60 to 62 yard field goal. So I think he was trying to get a couple extra yards, but it backfired in that. And then you look at the play at the end of the half where Allen. You he's going to spike he's it, gonna and spike he, it and he, but he drops it yeah. and he picks it back up and says, okay, now I'm going to throw it. And he throws it to Diggs and Diggs isn't able to get out of bounds before the clock expires. Buffalo statistically clobbered the Dolphins clobbered in that game yesterday. 31 first downs, 90 plays, 497 yards. 
and they scored 19 points. I didn't think that was possible. No, they're 0-6 in games decided by 8 points or less in the last two years. Yeah, in fact, yesterday, Josh Allen lost, Patrick Mahomes lost, Tom Brady lost. I saw somebody had mentioned a day like that's never happened in the NFL where all three of those guys lost on the same day. We haven't even gotten into Bucks, Packers, or some of the other games that happened yesterday. It was a it was a busy day in the National Football League and a lot to talk about there. I would imagine tomorrow we'll probably talk a little bit more about the NFL and what happened in week three and some of the early trends that are starting to develop and some of the teams that have come on. And of course, San Francisco losing yesterday to Denver the way they did. Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo playing a terrible game, yeah, just did. an awful game by him. Russell Wilson, he, 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 he wasn't very good that entire game, but then he led this incredible long drive that got them the, got them the win. All right. We have two minutes left on the Burns and Gambo show. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. It's the Burns and Gambo two-minute warning. Final thoughts on yesterday's Cardinals game. I'll start our two-minute warning as we send it to the end of our day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Gambo, and I'm going to start not by looking back at yesterday's game, but looking ahead to Carolina. This is absolutely 100% non-negotiable, a must-win game for the Cardinals. Our audience knows it. You know it. I know it. We all know it. They know it. They cannot come back from Carolina with a 1-3 and record. The season might be lost at that moment, and calls about this being one of the worst teams in the NFL might happen if they come back 1-3. and three. The problem, historically, this has been a really tough matchup for the Arizona Cardinals. They've lost every time they've played against Carolina in the Kingsbury era. And so while it might be, for whatever reason, a tough place for them to play and win, they cannot come back 1-3. and three. Otherwise, the season might be over before it even started. Yeah, this to me is all about, and I'll agree with you on that, they've got to find a way to stop Christian McCaffrey because he is playing really well right now, but to me, these slow starts have to end. They're down 13 nothing. They've got to play catch-up. They went three and out and had a punt blocked. Three and out, four and out, three and out. That's how they opened the game. The first four possessions, they ran 13 plays. Only had one first down. Cliff Kingsbury, man, you got to figure this out. No more slow starts. No more slow starts. Cardinals and the Rams. Cardinals lose yesterday by a score of 20-12. That is going to do it for us here on the Burns and Gambo show. We are out of here. We will see you tomorrow at straight up 2 o'clock right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Have a great night, everyone.